Well, welcome back. And let me just say once again, happy Mother's Day. Now today we want to, to look at a mother of extraordinary faith. And you can find this story in the book of Mark, chapter 7 of the Bible. Now this story you can also find an account in Matthew chapter 15, but we're going to look at the book of Mark today. Mark chapter 7. Now let me uh, pause here and just say uh, we need women of faith in our culture. We need women of faith in our world. We need you women to stand up and have the faith similar to this mother that we're going to read about in our story today. Because our, our world is a desperate place. Now, Father's Day, of course, is coming up next month. And dads are going to say the same thing to you. We need men of faith. But we're going to look at a woman today who had incredible faith. And whether you're a mom or not a mom, whether you are a young girl or a older girl, whether you're just you're whether you're an aunt, a cousin, and a grandmother, or wherever you fall, it doesn't matter because the characteristics that we're going to read about today apply to all of us. Now, there are certainly some skills that my mother is better at than I am. And there are skills that my mom can do that I definitely cannot do. There's also different characteristics that that uh, the women in our lives tend to have that are different than some of us guys, if you know what I'm talking about. But uh, let me just uh, tell you this little bit of a story that I have here in front of me today. And uh, this was written by the name of Irma Bombeck. And uh, this is what she writes. This is what she says. Every mother has a favorite child. She cannot help it. She's only human. I have mine, the child for whom I feel special closeness, with whom I share a love that no one else could possibly understand. My favorite child is the one who was too sick to eat ice cream at his birthday party, who had measles at Christmas, who wore leg braces to bed because he towed in, who had a fever in the middle of the night, the asthma attack, the child in my arms at the emergency room. My favorite child spent Christmas alone away from the family, was stranded after the game with a gas tank on empty, lost the money for his class ring. My favorite child is the one who messed up at the piano recital, misspelled committee in a spelling bee, ran the wrong way with the football, and had his bike stolen because he was careless. My favorite child is the one I punished for lying, grounded for insensitivity to other, peop other people's feelings, and informed he was a royal pain to the entire family. My favorite child slammed doors in frustration, cried when she didn't think I saw her, withdrew and said that she could not talk to me. My favorite child always needed a haircut, had hair that wouldn't curl, had no date for Saturday night, and a car that cost $600 to fix. My favorite child was selfish, immature, bad-tempered, and self-centered. He was vulnerable, lonely, unsure of what he was doing in this world, and quite wonderful. All mothers have their favorite child. It is always the same one. It's the one who needs you at the moment, who needs you for whatever reason to cling to, to shout at, to hurt, to hug, to flatter, to reverse charges to, to unload on, but mostly just to be there. Now, I don't know if you know this about me, but I am my mom's favorite child. Of course, I'm also my mom's only child. So mom, if you're watching today, 
I am so honored to be your favorite son. But the favorite child is the one who needs mom the most. Now we all at some point in our lives need somebody. And many cases, I believe we need more than one someone. Did you know that a child needs, I think, I, I should really find the, the, the appropriate stats on this, but there is a, there's an old saying that goes like this. It takes a village to raise a child. It takes a community. And you've probably heard that or you've heard variations of that. And it's very much true. We all need people to influence us, to help us when we're hurting. But parents play a very special and particular role day in and day out for their children. And today we're going to read about a young lady who desperately needed her mother to intervene and step in on her behalf to advocate for her. And we're going to look at this incredible woman of faith today found in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 7. And this is a situation where this child desperately needed the faith of her mother. And so let's read Matthew, Matthew, let's read Mark chapter 7 today. This is what it says. Let me grab my big old Bible here. It says, Jesus left that place in Mark chapter 7 verse 24 and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and he did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence a secret. All right, moms, this is where I need you to uh, just totally shamelessly put your hand up in the comments. How many of you need a place to just kind of go and hide from your kids for a little while? All you want to do is maybe crawl under the covers, lock the bedroom door, and just kind of hide there for a few minutes away from your children. No shame at all if that is you today. No shame in that if you have ever had to do that. You Maybe you, you go and you climb into the, the basement closet storage room or something like that just for a few minutes of quiet and peace and stillness and silence. It's kind of like what Jesus is doing in this moment. Je Jesus left the place where he was, which we sort of believe biblical scholars seem to think it was Capernaum. And he had kind of a, a bit of an ongoing deal with some religious leaders there. And he was likely just tired, wanting to rest, wanting to relax, or wanting to spend some, some more quiet quality time with his disciples. And so it says that he entered a house and he did not want anyone to know where he was and that he was there. Yet he could not keep his presence a secret. Moms, no matter how hard you try, isn't it true that your kids will find you? At least that's the way it seems to be many times in our household. Kids always find a way, no matter what. Now, Verse 24, he enters the house, doesn't want to be found. And so apparently this tells us Jesus did not go to Tyre to do ministry. He didn't go there to, to, to minister to other people. No, he went there to, to repent, to, to rest, to maybe recharge a bit, maybe share a little bit of information with his disciples, kind of this quiet private gathering. But no matter where he went, the crowds of people followed him. But I think there are moments where, where perhaps 
we ourselves need to get away a little bit and find some quietness and stillness, especially when we're in a busy season, especially when things are kind of crazy and hectic and chaotic. And I think of a few few people right now that might be there. I think of some of our teachers who are uh, also parents. You know, you're at home and you are teaching your class through a computer and then you're helping your own kids. And I'm sure by the end of the day, I mean, you guys are superheroes right now, but at the end of the day, you're like, I just need to go find a place to hide and get alone. I'm sure you can relate to how Jesus must have been feeling in this moment. There's a few of you parents who are at home and you're working from home and you're trying to get everything that you need to do or you're arranging some sort of childcare or you're switching off parents and kids are doing online school and they got this craft that they have to do. They need help with their, their assignment. They need to learn how to, to do all of these things. And at the end of the day or the end of the week, you kind of, I just need some quiet and some peace alone. You know, there's, there are several times in the Bible, in the New Testament, where Jesus gets away from the people. He goes and he finds a quiet place to spend with his father. You know, our kids need this sometimes, right? They need to turn off the computer. They need to turn off the TV. And sometimes they just need to snuggle up with mom or they just need to snuggle up and have some quality time and maybe go for a walk or go for a hike in the bush or, or go enjoy some time down at the lake just with mom. We need these intimate moments with our Heavenly Father. We need to have these intimate moments with Jesus. The other option we talked about is that Jesus might have gone here to spend the time with his disciples. And we know that there are moments where we need to spend time with people that are closest to us. One, so that we can invest in their lives, but so that they can also invest in us. These are really good, important things for us to do. But how many know things don't always go according to plan? In case you don't know, I'm sure by now, if you unless you've been living under a rock for the last year and a half, I'm sure you know that not everything in life goes according to plan. And that's exactly what happens in this moment. Jesus goes away to find some peace and quiet, and yet people find him. Let's check out verse 25 and 26. Here we go. In fact, uh, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. Now let's pay attention because there's some very important information in this, in this passage that we just read here in this moment. Some very important things that we need to pay attention to. One is uh, many of us might feel that our children are so crazy that they're possessed. They're probably not, but if they are, call the pastor, okay? We will work with you. But there are a few things we need to point out. One, Jesus mainly spent his time ministering to people from his own culture and society. He mainly ministered to Jewish people, the children of Israel. And there's some good reason for that, and that's kind of a good conversation for another day, although we're going to tap into that a little bit here in just a minute. But she was a Greek woman living in Syrian Phoenicia. In fact, this translation of my Bible that I have here says she was a Syrophoenician. Okay, so she was not Jewish. Big, important thing to pay attention to today. She wasn't a Jew, and this is very important. All right, so 
This mother comes to Jesus with a very legitimate request. Her daughter was possessed by an evil spirit. And according to verse 26, she begged Jesus to cast out the demon. But for some reason, Jesus was not very eager to come to her aid immediately. And there's a few reasons for this. So we're going to get to that in just a second. In fact, according to Matthew's account of the incident, Jesus even refused to answer or acknowledge her in any way until his disciples urged him to at least send her away because she was causing a scene. Okay, so now maybe you've been here before, you know, you are having a nice, peaceful, relaxing moment. Maybe you're on a date with your spouse and the phone rings. It's the babysitter. She's frantic. You need to come home right now. What's the best thing you can do on your phone is click the little silence button. Pull it down, hit the little moon. Do not disturb. Turn off the phone completely, right? We just need that peace and quiet. And yet they kept calling the restaurant. And, they, and then they kept calling. We can't go to the restaurant right now. They called the, the other spouse's cell phone or whatever. They get a hold of you. They make a scene. Finally, the, the disciple said to him, Jesus, you got to at least send her away. you got to deal with her. And because he is having a moment here. And, you know, he's resting. He's relaxing. Whatever he's doing, he's not in ministry in this time. And this woman is persistent. She's pushing. She's pushing. She's pushing. But there's something else that's going on here, and we're going to find out right now in verse 27. He says to the woman, first, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Could you imagine if people gave, I mean, there are moments as a parent where Maybe I'd like to take my children's food because of the scene they're making at the dinner table and throw it to, we don't have a dog, but I'd throw it to the neighbor's dog. But imagine, we know that our kids have to eat, but that's not okay. For it is not right to take the children's bread across it, toss it to their dogs. Now, this might just seem pretty harsh and it might just seem downright rude for Jesus to say this to this desperate mother who is coming. And what we have to understand though is... That he's not being he's as tired as he maybe is in this moment of his disruption. He is actually doing something here that is really important. Now, here's what's really going on. This is what Jesus is saying. In his message to this woman, he's actually using this as metaphor to say, uh, I am here to minister to the children of Israel, God's chosen people. They are my priority. You are not a Jew, therefore you are not my priority in this moment. Now, let's just back up for a moment that God chose Abraham. He said, I will make you the father of, of, of the nations whose descendants will number the, the, sand in the, in the, uh, the sand on the beach and the stars in the sky. I will make a great nation for you and I will bless the nations of the world through this holy nation, which was supposed to be Israel. We know that that doesn't always happen, but that was God's plan. And this is why Jesus came to minister to them in this moment. And so he's basically saying to this Greek woman, look, I don't have time for you. You're not my priority. However, those are the words that he is speaking, but he is not communicating that message. We're going to find out here why in just a second. Stick with me. You're going to want to pay attention to this. So. We know that when Jesus sends out his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, 
He specifically told them not to take the gospel message to the Gentiles, but only to the lost sheep of Israel's. But, and we talked about this the last few weeks, if you've been paying attention to our sermon series, following the resurrection, Jesus commands his disciples to go to Jerusalem, Judea, okay, still within the family. Oh, we want you to go to Samaria now. Oh, and you want us to go to the very ends of the earth. See, the thing is, it's not that Jesus doesn't care about the rest of the world. In that moment, that wasn't the mission, the goal, the priority. In that moment, his circle of influence was his disciples who were Jews. That's what he was ministering to for that season. It's not that his heart didn't care. It's not that he didn't care. The time was not yet to come. Now, there's a few other things going on, and let me just get to you here in a second. I told you. He's not totally ignoring her. He's not being rude or just trying to to dismiss her. Now, there is no indication that this woman is surprised or even offended by what Jesus has said. In fact, it didn't seem to deter her at all. It was not an obstacle for her. In fact, it was almost like she didn't care at all. She was aware of who she was, and she was aware of the cultural and religious differences that existed between her and Jesus. She acknowledged that there was this gap between them. She knew that there was a difference between Jews and Gentiles. Therefore, she would have been been aware that the reason the Jewish men, especially rabbis, didn't associate with Gentile women. But she did not give up. Now, We're going to head over to verse 28 here in a moment. But pay attention to the fact that she recognized that there was a distance between her and Jesus. She recognized that there was a distance between her and God. And she has a very important response to Jesus' statement. So remember, what did Jesus say? Verse 27, he says, It's not right for to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs which means my time has not come yet to minister to the Gentiles. My time in ministry is spent on the children of Israel. And this is her response to that statement. Yes, Lord, she replied. In your Bible, it probably is a capital L, L-O-R-D. Yes, Lord, capital Lord. Other words, other translation, you could say, yes, master. Yes, Lord, as in ruler supreme, I recognize your authority here. Yes, Lord, she replied. And this is what she comes back with. But even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. How many mums out there are tired of sweeping up the children's crumbs from under the table if you don't have the family dog? That's verse 28. Let's pay attention to how she responded. She said, yes, Lord. This is the only time in the Gospel of Mark that someone actually addresses Jesus as Lord. In Matthew's Gospel, it tells us that not only did she call him Lord, but referred to him as the son of David, which is a huge, important thing to pay attention to. Because it recognized, it means that she, this Gentile woman, recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. Which is quite ironic considering that even the religious leaders of the day did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world. Yet this Gentile woman recognizes that there is something different, that Jesus is 
Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the son of David, even though the majority of the Jewish people didn't. She goes on to understand that Jesus clearly is there to concentrate his efforts on the Jews, but she would not be satisfied, or sorry, that she would be satisfied with no matter what Jesus would give her, even if it was only a crumb. She would be satisfied with simply having the crumbs that are offered. In other words, as Jesus is ministering to the Jews, as good things begin to happen, as miracles take place, as joy begins to overflow from the Jewish population, from the children of Israel, from this nation, others are going to be affected by it. That's sort of the the trickle-down effect that takes place. And she says, look, I'm just looking for the crumb. I'm just looking to, to come to you from the overflow here. Jesus was so impressed with the woman's response. We find out in verse 29 and 30. He told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. Verse 30. She went home, found her child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Now, the woman's response tells us that not only did she realize that Jesus was the Messiah, but he had the power to heal her daughter. He had the power to heal her daughter. Because of her faith and persistence, Jesus granted her request. And from that moment, the demon left her daughter. Now, this is important to pay attention to. We look at the way that Jesus responds to this woman, and it's easy for us to go, well, how cold-hearted kind of guy is he? But what was he really doing in this moment? He was really taking a second to test the the legitimacy of her faith. He was taking a moment to test her faith. It's not that he was unwilling. It's not that he didn't want to. But he wanted to know, how much faith does this woman have? And so he throws out a metaphor. And she completely understands. She completely gets it. She completely accepts where Jesus is coming from. And she's not asking him for more than anything that doesn't belong to her, in a sense. That's not owed to her. Jesus didn't even have to respond to her. It was the disciples we learned from the book of Matthew that said, look, Jesus, you got to do something about this because she's making a scene. And so what we learn from this woman, there's three things. One is that she was desperate, right? You can just imagine. I mean, I've never, I've never had a I've never even seen a demon-possessed child to my knowledge. But she's desperate. There's, there's, you know, as a, as, a, as a parent, as a mother, you want the very best for your children. You want them to be happy. You want them to be full of joy. You want them to be successful. And you do whatever you can to make sure your child is successful. As, a, as an aunt, as a grandmother, as a spiritual mom, you look at, at the people around you and, you and you are filled with a love for them and you want to see them be successful. You want to see them grow and thrive and, and succeed and, and just have a very beautiful, happy life. You can only imagine. She's probably done everything she has possibly she could possibly do and she's desperate. And so she finds someone that can do something about her problem. She finds the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. She finds the Messiah of the world. And she comes to him because she is desperate. Nothing is going to stand in her way because she is desperate. 
you want to read another story of what it's like to have a demon-possessed child, you can go to Mark chapter 9, and we see a father who brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus. And it says that the demon inside this boy was so strong and wild, it was basically trying to kill this young man by throwing him in, by causing him to throw himself towards a fire. And, and Jesus releases him from this, this burden as well. So you can just imagine how desperate this woman is having a demon-possessed daughter. And it says that she was possessed from birth. Not only was she desperate, but she was totally distraught. This Gentile mother was more than just a little concerned about her daughter's condition. In fact, she shared in her daughter's agony. Her daughter's condition caused so much pain that according to the Gospel of Matthew, that she cried out to Jesus. She fell at his feet and she begged him to have mercy on her and drive the demon out of her daughter. This woman was so distraught, she realized that there was nothing more that she could do for her daughter on her own. You know, I think being a, being a person of faith, being a woman of faith means as much as a superhero as moms really truly are, there's a point in our lives that we go, I have to give this to Jesus. I have to go to Jesus because only he's gonna be able to, to, to have an answer to whatever the situation is that I'm going through. I, I, I have to recognize at some point if in my awesomeness as a woman, not, not me speaking, obviously, in my awesomeness as a parent, as an awesomeness as a spiritual mom or dad, that I have to go to Jesus. There are just there are some things that only the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, that things can actually be be healed and restored and fulfilled and changed through. We have to go to the source of our faith. Sometimes we have to get to the point of desperation. Sometimes we have to get to the point of being totally distraught before we realize that we need Jesus. In fact, it's so obvious that the disciples are concerned about her. And so much so that they actually say, hey, Jesus, you got to pay attention to this woman's need. Jesus, you have to do something about because this is this is different. This is not like those other times. This is there's something different in this moment. You know, there, there are moments in our lives where we're going to realize there's something different. There is an element, there's an urgency here. Not everything is an emergency, but there are moments where there's, there's a sense of urgency where things have to be taken care of now. We have to go to Jesus now. We have to make that phone call now. She threw herself at his feet and she begged for mercy. She pleaded with him to do something to help her daughter. You know, there's going to be situations probably, I would imagine, in our lives where we're going to feel helpless in regards to our children. What are we going to do? We have, there's nothing that I can do. And of course, the heart of a mother, right? The heart of a good, faithful woman is to want to be able to, to hug and to hold and to fix and to make it better for your child. But what do you do when there's nothing left to do? The answer is you become a woman of faith. You become a woman of faith and you go to Jesus who can do the impossible, who can do what we cannot do. Let's remember this passage of scripture the next time we find ourselves in moments of desperation, the next time we're distraught and we don't know where to turn. Let's remember this story that we can come to Jesus. She was desperate. She was t- distraught. 
And these things made her determined. These things, the situation that we need to remember is that this, it made this mom determined. She was determined, one, to find Jesus. He went to where people wouldn't find him or follow him, and she found him. He went to a home in the vicinity of Tyre, intending to keep his whereabouts a secret. But when the woman heard the rumor that Jesus was in town, she didn't stop looking for him until she found him. And when she found him, she was so determined to see him, she did whatever she had to do. You know, the beautiful thing about the way the Holy Spirit works now, the beautiful thing about the way Jesus works now, is that all we have to do is call out to him, and he's there. He's present. Jesus is with us. He's this, he's this thing that we call omnipresent, which means he's everywhere, all the time, anytime. Because he's God, right? There's moments, We don't have to go to the next town to find Jesus. We don't have to turn on the TV to find him. We don't have to pick up the phone. Jesus is there. And so the next time we're distraught, the next time that we are desperate, be like this woman and be determined. Do whatever it takes. You know, maybe it means falling on your knees. Maybe it means laying on your face. Maybe it means fasting, giving something up to spend that time with Jesus. In your determination, do what you have to do to connect to the presence of Jesus. You know, we don't have all the details from our text. But we can imagine for a few minutes the homeowner that Jesus is staying in. His disciples, they try their best to, to, to protect Jesus, right? He, he needs his rest. He needs this moment. This is what he's doing right now. They try their best to, to help this woman, but it's not good enough. You know, they need Jesus to intervene. She was determined, and she wasn't going to leave without seeing Jesus. She was determined to see him no matter what. Even when they pretended or ignored that she was even there, she was determined. And even though, even though they said, my priority right now is not to minister to the Gentiles. She was so determined. She was such a woman of faith that she said, I'll take whatever leftovers you have to give me. That's all I need. All I need is just a little bit. I don't need the whole package. I just need the crumbs. That's all I need. And, and that is such an incredible testament to this woman's faith. And, and Jesus goes on to tell us in, in other parables that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And he's literally, as Jesus says that to his disciples, he's literally standing on ground that was moved to make a mountain. And so he's saying, look, all you need is the faith of a mustard seed. And this woman kind of comes back and says, look, all I need is the crumbs of, of what has fallen on the floor from your children. All I need is the leftovers. All I need is a tiny little bit. And I believe that that will be enough to heal my daughter. That's all I'm asking you for is the leftovers. And Jesus is so blessed by her faith that he heals her. He doesn't even go to her house. doesn't follow her home. Just speaks it, prays it. In that moment, from a distance, Jesus delivers this young girl from the possession of the demon. This woman, this mother was determined. She was a woman of faith. This is an incredible test. And I think we all will have moments where our faith is going to be tested. But the reality is, we only need a little bit of Jesus to make a world of a difference in our lives. The reality is, is that there are people that are desperate, that are distraught. 
but they don't know where to engage their energy to be determined. They don't know what door to knock on. They're searching, they're looking. And I believe one of the keys to reaching and finding those people are women of faith, are, are, are physical, biological mothers, are aunts and grandmothers. And I believe that one of the answers to this are spiritual mentors, moms and dads, women that are full of faith that will lead people to Jesus so that he can deal with the anxiety, he can deal with the despair, he can deal with the possessions of, of demons, he can deal with the injury, he can deal with the illness. We need women of faith that are willing to be determined and advocate for those who are not. Every mother, as we read in the story a few minutes ago, has a favorite child, and it's the one who needs them most. You know, there's nothing more incredible than when an individual finally discovers that they need Jesus. What's even more beautiful is when they find him. And he does that through people like you and for me. He does that through women of faith. All they need is the tiniest leftover crumb. You know, we look at this passage in Matthew. He says, the woman came and they knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. Matthew 15, 26, he replies, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Verse 27, yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus answers, woman, you have had great faith. Your request is granted, and her daughter was healed from that very hour. The faith of this troubled mother was rewarded. Her request was granted, and her daughter was delivered from the evil spirit that made her life miserable. She may have been an outsider. She may have been shooed away. She may have been kicked out of the house. She may have been ignored. She might have just been a Gentile not much better than a dog to a Jew, at least in the eyes of some Jews. It's true that she was des desperate, distraught, and determined. But in the end, Jesus commanded her for having great faith. You know, at the end of the day, Jesus is looking for us to have even just a little bit of faith. Women, we need you in our lives to stand up for us. Because I believe women have an incredible intuition when it comes to faith. I don't know just the way that God, God created women, but we need women of faith to rise up, to advocate for those who have a need, who are lost, who are seeking, who are determined, who are distraught. And so this is our moment in this online church experience, to be uplifted and challenged that to, and to have the hope to realize that no matter what situation we're going through, no matter what is, dis is distressing you, no matter what is wearing you down, maybe you need a bit of rest, is that the answer is found by putting our faith in Jesus. You know, in some situations, as in this story, we bring it to Jesus and those things go away. We find healing. We find miracles when we call out to Jesus. You know, our faith can make us whole again. And even when we have given up, 
When we have people in our corner that are cheering us on, that are praying for us, which we all need those people in our lives, we need people to call out to Jesus for us, to advocate on our behalf, to reach out, to have faith when our faith is little, or we're incapable of having that faith. We don't have the capacity. Maybe we're incapacitated. We need people in our church to stand in the gap for those who, are in, who, who do not know Jesus or are incapable through an illness, through a, a situation like this one. We need people to stand up and come to Jesus and believe for a miracle. Because when that happens, I firmly, firmly believe that that's when lives are made new again, when lives are made whole, when joy can be restored. And we realize that Jesus doesn't really care that she's a Gentile. He doesn't care that she's an outsider. He really just wants to know, is the faith of this woman real? And so it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a mom or not, whether you are a dad, a son, a daughter, it doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter your background. Jesus really wants to know, do you have the faith to believe that he is the Messiah? that he can do the impossible, that he can meet you in your moment of determination, that he can meet you in your time of need. Do you have the faith? Because Jesus is able, Jesus is willing, but he needs to know, do we have the faith? Let me pray for us today. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are, that you are the living God. We thank you that you are alive and that you have power and you show that power through your Holy Spirit. Lord, And you have a desire that not one of us would perish, that not one person, oh God, would have to live in separation from you. And so God, I pray that you would rise up women and men of faith, that you would rise up children, oh God, to advocate for those who are broken, who are hurting, who are incapacitated. Lord, to, to come to you to realize and confess that you are the Son of God, that you are the Messiah, that you are Lord. And I pray that out of this confession of our faith, Lord, that we would continue to advocate and intervene and intercede for those who have need today. Lord, I pray that you would build our faith, that we wouldn't hesitate to come to you first. Lord, I pray for our moms today. Lord, I pray for this season of of turmoil, where, where things aren't the way we thought they would be. For, the, for those that are feeling tired and stressed and worn out and beaten and broken, God, I'm praying today that we have the faith to lean on you, that you would pick us up, that you would breathe fresh air into our lungs, that you would cause us, O oh Lord, to move, Lord, through this season with dignity, with strength, and with joy, that you would bring us the encouragement that we need. God, I pray for our moms today, I pray a special blessing over the women that, Lord, take care of our families that lead, oh God. I pray for, for our grandmothers. I pray for our aunts. Lord, I pray for our moms and our stepmoms. And I pray, oh God, but for those today that are maybe grieving the loss of a mom, Lord, I pray that you would continue, Lord, to be a blessing to our world through the work of the women in our lives. Just pray these things in your holy name. Amen.